is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Of course, we'll preview Rangers and Senators in just a little bit. That game tonight at Madison Square Garden can be heard on 98.7 ESPN with coverage beginning at 7 o'clock, 7.30 face-off. Kenny and Dave with the call from the Garden. But we got to recap and start with last night's Game 6 in Pittsburgh between the Penguins and the Capitals. And the radio voice of the Washington Capitals is John Walton, and he joins us here on Game Misconduct. How are you, buddy? Oh, good to be here, Don, and good to still have hockey in front of us, too. Oh, I love listening to you. I've been listening to a lot of this series, watching it as well, but uh, the enthusiasm that you bring is just so much fun, and you were certainly enthusiastic over the last couple of games. You know, history is a part of this, right? The the Capitals are going up against the Penguins, but they're also going up against history, their own personal history, the fact they've only beaten Pittsburgh once uh, in a series in franchise history. So when you come back from a deficit in the third period of Game 5 and win a Game 6 on the road, is that a major body blow to the history? Do you think this team goes into Game 7 maybe having a lot more confidence because of the last two games? I think it's a body blow to history as long as they finish the job, but it certainly has been a really nice start. I don't think the most optimistic among us here in Washington would have looked at going into the third period in Game 5 and said, yeah, they got this, no problem. Pittsburgh, under Mike Sullivan, had gone 94 out of 98 in terms of winning after two periods, and they had not lost in the postseason this year, and they only lost one in the regular season this year. So it didn't look very good, but it got a lot better real quick with three goals on 14 shots, and the Capitals able to at least force it back to Pittsburgh. And the history that everyone talks about, and those who have been a fan of this franchise certainly know the pain of 30 years but if you're Alex Ovechkin Nick Backstrom you're talking about just about a third of that if you're talking about Barry Trotz you're talking about three years but for everyone almost everyone 17 players in fact who were part of last year's game six against Pittsburgh that is history that they can use because they had a chance and they let it get away and that's what made last night's game six so impressive to me is they weren't going to be denied a second time they found a way and Now we're looking at a Game 7 of Verizon Center tomorrow night. How much are they asked in that room about the history? Is it something that's constantly there? I'm going to say three, four times a day. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's more than enough, right? Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, you know, and and it's funny. T.J. Oshie was asked after the game last night when we were in Pittsburgh about the history, and he said, look, it's my first Game 7 ever. I've only been here for a couple of years of it, but I know that I'm excited. I'm excited for my teammates, and I'm excited to go out and get it done because, you know, look, I mean, they've been able to do something that already is pretty extraordinary and something that hasn't happened a lot in Capitals history. Yes, they have to finish the job, but uh, if they're able to do it, uh, that would be quite a way to change the narrative around here. All right, the physicality on Sidney Crosby I thought was a major turning point in the game last night. Is there confidence in the room that in a Game 7 with different officials that – if the game's called the same way, they can continue to play Sid in that fashion? I think so. I mean, I think the physical part is a, a big part. It has been really since Brian McClellan took over from the day that Brooks Orpik signed here and Matt Niskanen and Tom Wilson's development. And, you know, that, that heavy style, even mixed with some speed, I think the Caps, if they had any growing pains this year, was morphing into a team that could skate as well as be physical. But physical is part of their DNA, and I think they've been able to do a lot of that in this series. I think a guy like Brian Dumoulin's being held together with spackle and duct tape right. at this point. Because, and, and to credit to him, because he stayed in there 
uh, and been very effective for Pittsburgh, but you know he's not 100%. And the Caps aren't either with Alsner and Orpik and a few others. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think the physical style is a big key, but I think just being that stifling defensive team they were last night would go a long way. There's so much talent on this team, John. I mean, you have the luxury of really getting to call arguably – from a talent standpoint, one of the best teams in the league. But is there someone in this series in particular that has overly impressed you, someone that you didn't think you were going to hear from much but has really shocked you? Well, I think Andre Burakovsky lately would fit in that category, and he was all but in the witness protection program up until two games right. ago, and now with three goals in two games. And, you know, we always knew that Andre had it in him. We'd seen little spurts of that even against the Rangers a couple of years back. But really had not done much last year or this year. And it was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser when Barry made the move. But in retrospect, it was a gutsy call that made a lot of sense because it made the first line faster. It gave Eller and Wilson a finisher and Ovechkin on that line. Both of those lines have contributed now. But I think to see Andre step up in the biggest of moments. I mean, this team was 20 minutes away from the golf course and now going into a game seven in large part because – Andre Burakovsky stepped up and could be the guy that I think people in Washington thought he could be, but we really hadn't seen a lot of, and Mm -hmm. that's been pretty refreshing. Talking to John Walton, play-by-play voice of the Washington Capitals. Of course, he'll have the call for Game 7 coming up on Wednesday. We'll have a doubleheader because we'll have Game 7 of Edmonton and Anaheim as well later on on Wednesday. John does a fabulous job down there in D.C., and he gets to call the two greatest words in sports, Game 7, coming up from uh, D.C. You know, I've always said my observation's been, and I've called a ton of cap games, but the Caps are obviously at their best when it's not all about Alex. And certainly Alex is one of the great players in the history of this sport. But going into Game 7 with Oshie's experience internationally, with Justin Williams having three Stanley Cups, does he believe that he has a support system or does he walk into a Game 7 saying, I've got to be the man, it's got to be about me? I don't think he says it has to be about him. I think he certainly would love to raise his game as much as Justin Williams would want to raise his and has, and and T.J. Oshie as well. Uh, But Alex, I think one of the reasons why the move to the third line worked is I don't know that he cares about that so much. I think he wants to go out and win. It's been a decade and more now. uh, He hasn't been able to break through, and this team hasn't been out of the second round in 19 years. And if they win tomorrow night, they're out of the second round for the first time in 19 years. And if they do that, Uh, that will raise a weight off of Alex's shoulder. I think this franchise's shoulder, Uh, whatever comes next, whether it's the Rangers or it's Ottawa, I think that that's a series that if you can beat Pittsburgh, I think you can look at any team and say, you know what, if we beat Pittsburgh, we can go with anybody. Uh, But I think for Alex, and by the way, for Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7, his first Game 7 in a Washington uniform. The Caps haven't been this far uh, since he's been been on board. So uh, I got to look to tomorrow night for sure. All right, in closing, Holpe, uh, right now, how is he feeling? Of course, he got pulled earlier in the series, and he's responded right since uh, the last few years getting pulled. He's, what, 9-1 and in those situations. But uh, how is he right now mentally going into this Game 7? Don, it's been fascinating watching the goalies in this series because Braden has been for five years going back to 2012 and his coming out party against Tim Thomas in the first round and putting out the defending champs in seven. He's been the guy that has kept Washington in series, whether they were playing the Rangers or they were playing the Flyers or even the Penguins, and maybe helping the Caps to a point they might not have been without him otherwise. So strange that he would have some struggles along the way, and he has. 
Marc-Andre Fleury was left by the side of the road last year for the most part, and now he's the guy, and he was the guy through four games and two periods, and now he is struggling, and now he's given up eight goals in four periods. So uh, goaltending coming into game seven, if you're going with the absolute most recent performance, it's advantage Washington. If you look at the stats for the series, it still would favor Fleury, but everything's going to come down. We can talk about Ovechkin. We can talk about matchups and speed and hitting. It's going to come down to those two guys. And if Braden plays like he did in game six, the Capitals are going to be in the third round. If he doesn't, uh, they probably won't be. Uh, and I think for Pittsburgh, you can probably say the same. I thought Flurry fought it a little bit. I don't think he got a lot of help at all in front last night. I think the Caps made it really hard on him. But uh, it's going to be fascinating to me to see uh, which guy will rise up at that moment because they've both been there. And for Flurry, he's won a cup. Uh, but for Braden, he's been in a lot of Game 7s, too. That's where I think the rubber's going to meet the road in this one. Well, John, I'm supposed to be neutral, uh, but just knowing you and knowing Mike Lang and knowing Phil Bork, you know what? Those guys have gotten theirs in Pittsburgh. I, I'd love to see you get uh, get a chance to go to the conference final and make a run. So I'll be rooting for you, even though I'm supposed to be neutral on both sides. Have a ball uh, tomorrow. It should be great, and I hope to talk to you soon. And Maybe we'll see each other in the conference final. Yeah, I was going to say, Don, I think if you and I see each other in person soon, that's good for both of us, so let's vote for that. (laughs) Absolutely. John, thanks so much, buddy. Uh, You bet. All right, that's John Walton, radio play-by-play voice of the Washington Capitals. Big Game 7 tomorrow in D.C. Also a Big Game 7 in Anaheim as well. That'll be the second game of the doubleheader on NBC Sportsnet. We're going to have Jack Michaels. He is the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers on radio tomorrow on Game Misconduct to preview that Game 7. So, there's two Game 7s on the docket, and, of course, Ranger fans and Senator fans uh, know that there's a very good possibility there'll be a third Game 7 on Thursday, but the Rangers have to win tonight at Madison Square Garden in order to make that happen. And I fully expect the Rangers to come out and play like they did in Games 3 and 4 and be the better team and force a Game 7. But for the first time in these playoffs, the Rangers are facing elimination. And Hank has been unstoppable in those situations for the most part when he gets offensive support. Of course, he lost a Game 7 against Tampa in 2015 when his team was unable to support him offensively. But the Rangers' problem has not been scoring goals. The Rangers' problem is preventing them from being scored, especially on the road and especially with the man advantage when the goaltender is pulled. So we'll see if the Rangers can avoid that like they did in games three and four uh, to advance. I expect Chris Neal to be in the lineup for Ottawa for no other reason because of how well they played around him. Even though he only played in less than three minutes, they seemed to play with uh, a lot of confidence on the ice because they knew they had the physicality sitting on the bench. So I looked at it the wrong way. I'll be the first to admit it. I mentioned it earlier in the weekend game is conduct that from a matchup standpoint, Chris Neal playing didn't make a lot of sense. But the, the emotion that it brought to the table for the Ottawa Senators, I thought, was, was extremely important. And, uh, again, I am confident that we are going to see a great Ranger team. Uh, the only X factor is what is going to happen with the Ottawa Senators. And how are the Ottawa Senators going to play in this game? And I think it'll be a great game but I'm not really sure that it's going to be a blowout for the Rangers. I think the Rangers will win, but I have a feeling it's going to be a close game, a one-goal game, and Ranger fans are obviously going to have their hearts in their throats because they know that if they do lose this game, the season's over. And I think this has to be said as well. It's one thing to lose the series. Like last year, the Rangers lost to Pittsburgh. All right, well, you know what? Pittsburgh's a better team. Pittsburgh went on to win the Stanley Cup. But a loss to Ottawa is going to sting – 
similar to what happened in 2015, because I think the Rangers believed they were better than Tampa, and they went to Game 7, and they had Game 7 in their own building, and they lost. They lost Game 5 of their own building. They had so many opportunities to beat Tampa and didn't, and it cost them a trip to the Stanley Cup Final. could be a similar situation here if the Rangers lose to Ottawa. And the reason for that is is because they're better than Ottawa. And if they can win this game, now you've got a chance. You're going to go up against a Pittsburgh team that's banged up, a Washington team that would be playing in the conference final for the first time. That series has to go seven. And I think the Rangers actually match up pretty well with Washington. You might be blowing a chance to win a Stanley Cup by not winning this series. So if you look back and say, God, we were better than Ottawa. We lost the series. We should have won the series. We had control of the series at 2-2, winning games three and four. And if they let that slip through their fingers... That would be a major, major problem for the Rangers to be able to swallow. But that's for another day. They've got a chance to advance to the Game 7 on Thursday, and that's what the Rangers have to do. I don't expect to be too much of a change to either lineup. Uh, the Senators did not skate this morning, so we're not going to get confirmation on their lineup until game time. Same thing with the New York Rangers. I don't think that there are going to be too many lineup changes either, and if there are, we'll probably find out in warm-ups, and 7 o'clock will be our pregame on 98.7 ESPN. I'll have the pregame and the postgame. We'll be doing a show until midnight after as well, taking your phone calls at 1-800-919-3776. So write that down. And, of course, Kenny and Dave uh, will have the call. All right, so that's your setup. you got two game sevens tomorrow. We just heard from John. We'll talk to Jack uh, coming up tomorrow, and we'll dive further into that. Uh, but let's right now hear from you. A lot of people want to chime in about this Ranger game and I'll chime in just about the uh, the sport in general. And you can get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, so that we can talk a little with you. And let's go to those tweets, and there's a bunch of them to get to today. Uh, so let's start with Guy. All the pressure is still on Washington and Anaheim. This playoffs has been so much fun and anguish at the same time. Let's go Rangers. Of course, pressure, I think, for home game seven, you know, John Tortorella always said that you really don't take advantage of home ice until you get to game seven. So Washington and Anaheim have the home ice advantage. But I agree with you, Guy, that Washington, they got to this point, right? And they're still battling history. We talked about it with John Walton that, yeah, it took a body blow, the fact that they were able to come back and win Game 5 despite being down 2-1 to one going to the third period. They win on the road in Game 6, so they overcame a lot of adversity. If they were so pressurized by the history, they would have lost one of the last two games to be done by now. That didn't happen. So maybe they go in a little bit more relaxed in Game 7, but I'm sure in the back of their minds they're thinking, all those guys in capital uniforms have never been in this situation before. They've never gone to the third round of the playoffs. You've got to go back to pre-Alexander Ovechkin when they've been able to win a second-round series. So that applies pressure. Anaheim, there's a pressure to the sense that this may be it, right? I mean, it's an older team. They've won five consecutive Pacific uh, Division titles, but you look at Edmonton, they look like they're the next great team. If Edmonton were to lose Game 7, look at the experience those kids would get thinking, hey, we got a chance to play in a Game 7 in the second round. It's not about this year. We're probably a year or two ahead of time. We're going to be able to use all this information to be that much better in the future. So as much as they'd be disappointed to lose tomorrow, they could still take the experience of winning a series, playing in a Game 7. Anaheim, how many more kicks at the can are they going to get? Getzloff's getting older. Perry is getting older. So maybe they feel the pressure of this may be their last chance to make a significant run. And let's not forget, Anaheim has never won a Game 7. 
and they've lost four straight Game 7s at home, and they haven't even had a lead in those Game 7s. So that history is going to pile up on top of the Ducks as well, and we'll get into all that coming up tomorrow. Tomas says, if Rangers lose to Ottawa, does A.V. lose his job? Stall, hold, and handling could cost them the series. Go Caps. A.V. is one of the great coaches in this league. It would be disappointing to lose, but how do you blame it on him? Players still have to go out there and execute. The fact that A.V. has always had this team ready for the playoffs, uh, again, they're in the second round, so it's first year they go to the Stanley Cup final, second year they go to the conference final, last year they lose in the first round, but they bounce right back this year. They go to the second round. I mean, I, I don't know how you fire a guy for that. I don't. Uh, Liam says, if I've learned one thing about these Rangers, it's winning a series in under seven is rare. Let's go Rangers. Yeah, it's not a surprise. They did get it done in six against Montreal, but if they're going to get it done against Ottawa, they're going to have to go seven. Eli says, Pens can't get a controlled zone exit or entry without Latang. Washington has outplayed every game but game two. Good point. Um, you see the amount of chances, almost double the amount of chances. Flurry was better early in the series than I think Holpe was. Holpe's found his game here, and certainly Flurry was not good in Game 6 last night. Uh, but clearly, I think Washington's been the better team, but they're savvy of Pittsburgh. The championship caliber with Crosby and then making up for the loss when he didn't play and win because Malkin stepped it up. I mean, there's just so much talent there. But we've, we said at the beginning of the playoffs, if Pittsburgh was going to lose, it was going to be because they didn't have Latang. He is a difference maker. And maybe if Pittsburgh were to lose tomorrow, uh, the loss of Latang certainly would have to be looked upon as a reason why they didn't advance. Uh, Broadway Blue Shirt says, even if the Rangers force a Game 7, there's a chance to win that. And, of course, there's a major chance to be able to win in Ottawa. I don't see any reason why they couldn't win in Ottawa. This is the, the one I said this yesterday. It's the Rangers won 27 games in the regular season, right? They won two out of three games in the Bell Center in the first round. And they're going to lose all four games in Ottawa in the second round? Of all the places to play, that's probably the least home ice advantage in the league, and to lose all four would be odd. So I would think that if they did force a game seven, the Rangers would be due to win on the road. Now, it doesn't happen that often in a 2-2 series that the team that wins Game 5 doesn't win the series. 78.7% of the time, the winner of Game 5 wins the series, so Ottawa's got a little less than 80% of chance of winning the series. But I like the Rangers' chances tonight, and once you get to a Game 7, look at all the Game 7s that Ryan McDonough and Stahl and Stepan and Henrik Lundqvist have played in over the last few years, a ton of them. So I would think that there would be an advantage to the Rangers in that capacity. So we'll see if we even get to a Game 7, and we'll find out later on tonight. So thanks to John Walton for joining us, the voice of the Washington Capitals. Again, Jack Michaels will join us coming up tomorrow. He's the voice of the Edmonton Oilers. Get you ready for that Game 7. We'll recap what happened tonight between the Rangers and the Senators, either previewing a Game 7 or recapping a very disappointing loss for the New York Rangers. You can get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. You can also follow us on iTunes and the ESPN app. We encourage you to subscribe. We love all the new listeners we've gotten nationally here to Game Misconduct being on the top of the ESPN platform for hockey. So we do appreciate that. So more to come tomorrow. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.